Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start with my guest bio, an intro to how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they bought to me that week. This week, I'm joined by my guest, Carly Osler. Carly, who uses she, her pronouns, is an Austin-based therapist that serves Utah and Texas populations. As a systems therapist, she focuses on helping people build better relationships with themselves and those they love. Everything is more than one part in relationship with other parts, so everything is a system. Carly works with all the moving parts of systems to help break down what gets in the way of having what we want. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and has predominantly worked with the LGBTQIA community. Trauma and relationships of all types. Carly is a Gemini, so her interests and areas of expertise are ever-expanding. That's why I like you. I love Mia Gemini. As a Pisces. Oh. Hi. Kanisha is also a Pisces. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) We're the same person. That's fine. Uh, Carly and I have been talking for 20 minutes before we started recording. I'm probably going to use that recording as like a tease of this episode because it was so good. She told me a reminder of her best friend, Kanisha. So shout out to you because we're the same person. Clearly, we're both Pisces. I mean, here we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today i am so excited this first like off mic 30 minute combo with you is everything i didn't know i needed today so (laughs) thank you um anything else you want the people to know are you originally from texas no i grew up mostly in utah um like i'd spend you know six months to a year i spent six months in taiwan just under a year in new york but like mostly salt lake city park city utah Oh, okay. My friend's from Provo. I want to say Provo. Uh, is this your friend Kara who was on the show a few weeks ago? <laughs> it was. Because <laughs> I listened to that and I was like, oh my God, another former Mormon. <laughs> yeah, her. Uh, I met Kara through our friend Nick who grew up Mormon. And I met Nick through our friend TJ who grew up Mormon. All of them yeah. from Utah. Yep. Bless. We all probably know each other. We all probably went to church with each other at some point. Probably. Listen, all the, I feel like all the salt, they all moved to Salt Lake. They, I feel like that's like, that's the big city move in Utah. So. Yep. Oh, I also love that you listened. <laughs> oh yeah. Do my um, research. Uh, this, this show has just been, it's been six months. I've been recording for six months, which is wild to me. Wow. Yeah. I started Halloween last year, 2019. Um, it's like oh, the wow. last six months has just been, yeah. And it's been interesting, like recording via zoom now. Cause I've just been like having the chance to like crank out episodes and talk to people just cause we're all in oh, quarantine. Yeah. And, um, like cool. we said, March was seven years long. So today is May yeah. 1st. So we'll see. Yep. Oh, um, so where we'll be then. 
your original topic. <laughs> well, when I first met you, originally right. the topic was like systems of oppression and how they affect the body and trauma. That's and, right. Uh, I was like, I want to talk about this on your podcast. Like I also, talked to you for 10 seconds and then. Right. Also, we met at about. a party um, back in like December-ish yeah. holiday time. Um, yeah. So we're like, it's a new friendship, but I feel like this is just like beautiful. So yes, that's right. We had this party, like we started talking, like you have to come on, you have to come on, you have to come on. So yeah, originally it was that. And then now we, uh, off mic, we were talking about my love life. So I feel like it kind of all like fits together, right? Like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I was just telling Carly that I've been, I am single. I live alone. I don't have pets. So all quarantine, I've been pretty much alone, um, but I've been in therapy since I was 15. So I'm like really good at self-reflection, um, asking myself questions, challenging myself, currently listening to Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, which if you have Audible or can listen to her read it, it is so good. I highly recommend it. Um, she'll be added to my yearly book list. Every year I read, I listen Ooh. to Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes. And so I think I'm going to listen to that and now Untamed every year, just as like a fresh, mm. a refresher, because growth um so yeah we somehow ended up <laughs> in the conversation of my love life because during quarantine I've been really sitting with the feeling the the thoughts of dating wrong and then I said I wasn't dating during quarantine and now I'm kind of like well we'll see um if y'all remember I, I sort of mentioned it back on my episode with Kelsey um just kind of feeling like I was dating really badly I don't really pursue people all the shebangs of like trauma and grief and living life. Um, so Carly and I just spent 20 minutes delving into that and I'm yep. like, cool. So it's probably <laughs> going to be the preview. So we all go, make sure you go back and listen to like, <laughs> to that. I'm like, not going to forget to do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know originally you were talking about like complex PTSD. So, I mean, I feel like yep. this is, this all just flows yep. together. What well, made, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, uh, complex PTSD makes us relive patterns in our romantic relationships. Um, so, you know, it really does fit right in. We're just talking about how your attachment patterns are now what you're playing into your dating life. <laughs> but, hey, in solidarity, <laughs> I have complex PTSD. And the more we know, the more we can do something with it, That's right? True. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I, <laughs> I, for those of you who listened for a while, will know my mom passed when I was 15. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white place. Um, in like the mid, the I was born in 1990. So by the time I was in 10 or 12, it was like the early aughts. Um, so like very thin, very white. Um, and no, in my brain, you know, knowing that I'll never be white, which was like the standard for beauty. I was like, well, if I can't be white, I can be thin. Um, and then developed uh, an eating disorder, um, started with bulimia. Um, and then I got braces. So that was an out. Um, and then oh. it turned into anorexia. So just like not eating or being very particular about what I do eat. Um, and, you know, I was actually just talking to Marcus, who was on a couple of weeks ago. We talked about, like, um, trying to remain sober for him during COVID. 
and with me trying oh, yeah. not to fall back into disordered eating. So like we've oh, sort of talked yeah. about this before. Cool. It's, we've gotten to some heavy stuff here on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, that pattern of just like, if I couldn't be pretty, if I couldn't be white, I could be thin. Um, my mom died when I was 15. She died the, she went February 2nd. No, she went, she died February 1st. By the time my 16th birthday rolled around a month and 15 days later, I had lost like 20 pounds in a month, like just not eating Mm. super depressed. Um, and one of my aunts who saw me every day, who she didn't see me for a while, and so I saw her on my birthday. She's like, we need to get you help. Like she saw me and just like knew. Um, so luckily I went to a school that had therapy that you can go to during school hours, like during lunch awesome. or during your free period. Shout out to Hamden Public Schools Education. Um, <laughs> so being able to like talk about, you know, losing a parent with other people who had also lost parents and then also being able to talk about my eating disorder and everything. Um, so like I said, I've been doing a lot of like self-reflection asking myself questions, going in internally. Um, for half of my life now, I just turned 30. Um, so a little, little less than half, but for math's sake, we'll say half. Um, so we were just talking off mic about how losing my mom at 15, and then my dad and I started talking when I was 18, that I've sort of learned that I have never had a pattern of long-term love. And I know people think like, you're 15, that's like 15 years. I'm like, yes, but like my formative years from 15 till now, I haven't had a parent. Like my dad and I, my dad started dating maybe like a month or two after my mom died because they had been together for a while. So he didn't know how to be alone. But I was very self, excuse me, self-sufficient. So like I had been, like I had learned to cook when I was really young and do laundry, like do all these things for myself. So at 15, like I was okay, like being on my own essentially yeah and so like sort of like what's the point of relationships like I am really good at being single like yeah I'm very self-sufficient I have essentially been taking care of myself since I was 15 so like yeah learning how to add someone into that is weird for me like yeah for a long time it was like I was afraid to let people do things like I have never been one to depend on others for things so I'm really good at like like oh I got it I'm fine like letting people help me is very weird for me I've been like trying to get better about the last like couple of years um so yeah like never really like knowing how to do that but also like I'm very much a nurturer and I know it's because like I didn't have that after my mom died so like I'm really good at like seeing when people need things and like stepping up and doing those things like I come from a very loving and sometimes overbearing family um was so was there a point was was that nurturing um reinforced was it positively reinforced like you felt you had value and worth if you were giving or like if if i if i give more then i'm going to be worth more and like then they won't leave i for for sure equate my being able to do things to my value like Mm. I, i was saying to you off mic like if i'm not doing things for someone i'm also like what do what am i bringing to you like sometimes i feel like like i was saying to you before like i felt like i had to make up for the fact like i wasn't thin so like i had to like be funny or very giving or like very people pleasing pleasing <laughs> um yeah. yeah so like i am like an act of service like that's how i show love to people um so like for me not to be able to do that or like to the point like some like to the detriment of myself like i'm 
really good at giving and giving and giving that to a point like I wouldn't take care of myself and I didn't really realize it Mm. until quarantine and like having to sit still and do nothing and realize like how badly I was taking care of myself Mm. still not getting enough sleep but that's because I'm watching Bon Appetit videos all night but that's (laughs) if you haven't been watching Gourmet Makes on Bon Appetit YouTube you're missing out (laughs) it's my favorite thing anyway um but like you know, just really taking the time to like choose me right now. Like, like Mm -hmm. I said, I'm very self-sufficient and I'm very good at like doing things on my own and being alone. Um, But like you were saying, like we've, we always had something to distract us. Like I would find different things to do or like I, you know, I'm a part of like NLC here. I have the show. I do all these things outside of work. Like I was always keeping busy and on the go, but now during quarantine, I've been able to go anywhere. (laughs) So yeah. I've really like recommitted to like healthy eating and working out and like just taking time to slow down and like things I should have been doing. And now like I was telling someone the other day, like my, I've lost some weight and like, I look different. I look better. Um, and it's not like it was that that was the outcome I was looking for. I was just trying to take better care of myself. Mm-hmm. And this has like been the outcome of it. Right. So for sure. Like I've been a you, person, go ahead. You haven't been able to, caretake anyone you haven't been able to nurture and mother anyone so that like big love that you have to give is just like coming right back at you you're just like intentionally putting it back on you yeah which has been fascinating um so yeah um I talked about I think I've talked about on the show but like I in this this year I was very intentional like saying I wasn't going to date this year and that was just another form of like self-sabotage or like I'm very much the person, I know myself, I'm very much the, you can't miss something that you don't want. Mm -hmm. So I keep saying like, I don't want to be in relationships because then if it doesn't happen, I won't be sad about it. Um, But like, I've always known I wanted to be a mom. And I was telling you, Mm -hmm. like, I've never seen myself as anyone's long-term partner because I have never known quote unquote long-term love. So like, I for a long time was very afraid of being a single parent. Like I've always wanted to be a mom, whatever that looks like adoption. I end up having a baby, what have you. Um, but you know, as I get older, I was worried because like, what if something happens to me or I die and my kid is alone. So like I was always, I, in the time I've been dating, I realized that like I wasn't pursuing people. It was always like people had to come to me like, I'm into you. I'm like, you say that. Sure, we'll see. <laughs> and then going from there. Um, but then also like dating people who wanted children. So that way, like I knew oh. my hypothetical future kid would have someone to take care of them. Like it was like oh. a buffer system. Very yeah. methodical up here. Um, <laughs> Still like prioritizing somebody else other than yourself in those relationships. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am right now, uh, trying to <laughs> figure out, you know, currently in the market for a new therapist. So if there's any therapists out there who are like looking for someone who's real easy, <laughs> clearly I will talk, I will do the work. I'm very reflective. You are the dream client. I am an open, I have a whole podcast, people. Clearly I just want to talk what? to people all day. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I never thought of all of the things I've gone through as complex PTSD till just now, I'm like, oh, like I've dealt with trauma. I've dealt with grief, but I think it's like people always think that you have to go through this whole like 
quote unquote large traumatic event for it to quote justify you having PTSD. Um, But then I think about it too. Like in, I live in America as a black queer woman. Yes. (laughs) You are faced with trauma every day. Yeah. And you know, yeah. And I, and I don't know if I've said it on the show yet, if I've announced it anywhere. I mean, again, it's May. So who knows what what happened by the time I post this. Um, But I have made the decision to move back to the East coast. Haven't told my job yet. So we'll see. Um, But I, you know, we lost my cousin at the end of April. Um, she has two younger kids. Her young, her kid's father died earlier this year. So like now mm. her kids have no parents and they're very young. And so like, that was very triggering for me. And I was just like, and the, the first thing I thought was if we didn't have, like, I tried to like drive home to Connecticut and my sister was like, mm. we're on the lockdown. Like, even if you get to the state line, you are a you're eight you're 24 hours away for us if you drive number one that's if you don't sleep i'm like that's fair number two my cousin lived in florida so i was like okay i'll just go to florida they're not gonna let you in florida but then my like thought after that was like i wonder who's gonna take care of the girls like knowing that like Mm -hmm. all my rest of my family we have so many people that would step up but the first thing was like could i step in and help raise the girls if they needed me like just very much like and I've thought about this before because, like, my yeah. godson is 11 now. And so I've always thought about that. Like, what if, God forbid, knock on wood, something happened to my family? Like, would I be willing to, like, give up, quote, unquote, everything in my life to, like, raise my nephews? The answer is obviously yes. But also, like, like, why am I so quickly to, like, put me aside? Like, why? That's also mm. a thing I've been sitting with during quarantine. And I think it's because, like, I've been really good at, like, pushing through like I'm very much like a keep going if you sit still too long you'll realize shit like if you keep smiling and keep pushing through life's going to be fine so like Mm -hmm. now like sitting in this space of like not being able to like there's a quote I found when I was I took a road trip to Denver two years ago of like no matter where you go there you are like you cannot outrun yourself and so I think that's also why I'm like really big on (sighs) self-reflection so yeah just just figuring life out at 30s interesting um so like right now you know the decision to move back east has been something in my mind for a couple years i've been in austin for four years now um i didn't think i'd live here for four years it like flew by i'm like i don't know where life went um so like now you know strategically trying to move back home my lease isn't up till october so i have plenty of time to like find a place maybe find a job if i have to i think i can still work remotely with the job i have that's neither here nor there um but, you know, getting back east and, you know, I've, I picked Philly where I don't know anyone because I like a challenge. <laughs> um, and it's not somewhere I've ever lived. Um, it's close enough to my family that I can get to them, but they have to like plan to get to me. My family isn't like a jump in the car on a whim sort of people. They're very much planners as well. So it's like a little bit of distance, boundaries. <laughs> um, but then close enough to like home, New York. Philly is really great and queer and diverse. Um, but that's a big thing for me, like getting back to a place where that is very diverse, like not being yeah. like not sticking out like a sore thumb. Like the East Coast is very diverse, very thriving. There's always something to do up there. Um, if you don't live in Connecticut, there's nothing to do in Connecticut. I'm so sorry if everyone's there, but it's facts. Um, that's why I left. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, feeling this sense of like just being homesick for the the northeast like yeah 
so yeah, that's where I am right now. I'm like doing a lot of listening to that and like trying to combat some of <laughs> the PTSD that I'm dealing with of being a black queer woman living in Texas. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, here in Austin, we had, you know, the P- APD shoot an unarmed per- uh, man, black man the other day and just very much being like, I got to get out of Texas. Like Trump may get another four years and I do not need to be in Texas. Like that was not part of the plan when I moved here. I was like, Hillary's going to win. What are we talking about? And now I'm like, no, it's time to go. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now with trying Ooh. to combat some things. It's fine. It is. It sounds like you're very much like figuring out what you want your life to be. Yeah. And trying to take some big steps toward that. Yeah. A friend of mine the other day was, I was talking to him about it. Um, And he was like, are you moving out of the fear that like you can't be there for your family right now? Or are you moving for you? And I was like, well, when I moved here, I moved here for me. Like, being in Austin the last four years has allotted me a lot of they, like opportunities I wouldn't have had. Like I've got gotten mm-hmm. to work for a lot of organizations that I've loved. Um, I came out when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, I started the show. I found, you know, I found my people. I found me. Like I didn't yeah. realize like how much there was in me. And it was, it's been very interesting of like all the things I've been able to accomplish, but the other day, a friend of mine, I was talking to him and saying that I think Philly is the move for me. My least up, he goes, you can't leave. Austin still needs you. There's so much left to be done. And I was like, I'm like, that means there's other chances for other people to step up. Because that to me yeah. says people know that I will step up and I'm taking mm-hmm. that opportunity from others. And I don't want to do that. Like I saw there was a void and I was able to step in and now someone else will see the I'm not here and they can maybe find their space. Like I am very good with not constantly <laughs> being the person that, that needs to be there. Um, you know, I'm 30 and also, now. <laughs> like, you get, you get to choose for you, right? If we live our lives in the service of other people and what they want and what they think is best for us, like we're left with really miserable lives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my shebang right now, dealing with complex PTSD, which I didn't know I had till today. So thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I, it's so under, under known about. And I do think it affects everybody on some level. Mm. I remember a lot, like years ago, I read this article in the New York Times called The Trauma of Being Alive. Ooh, um, yeah. And it just hit so much for me about like, whether it's right, you were talking about wanting to be a parent and feeling like you could never be a good enough parent. Well, you can't avoid trauma. You, you can't. It exists. It happens. And um, there were some studies done around like who develops trauma and who doesn't, or sorry, who develops PTSD and who doesn't when faced with trauma. And it's having like a secure, safe, attachment or home base where you can process your experiences and safely like open up and let the trauma out of your body and that's not something that most people have yeah yeah I also think about like as like another form of suppression well oppression too is like 
this whole idea of like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, which I think a lot of people right now are like realizing is bullshit because yeah, here we are in a a situation during COVID and quarantine that like a lot of people are out of work. You know, Texas opened back up today, quote unquote. And we all know so that they didn't have to pay pay unemployment and just going to put a bunch of people at risk, but I digress. Um, but this right now, like we saw that like a lot of essential workers were people of color and that a lot of, you know, COVID is really affecting black people the most right now because we yeah. are the ones who are doing these jobs that like white people don't do. So, I mean, it's, it's that too. Like I am lucky enough to have the privilege of working from home. Um, but like just reading all that stuff, like a friend of mine um, back in New Jersey, she lost her dad last week to COVID. Um, another oh. friend of mine, his dad is like in kidney failure and in kidney failure and, you know, dying of COVID. Um, so it's just like thinking of that too, of just like there's, there's this notion that like this country was set up for everyone to win and it wasn't. Like if we think about slavery, like we're st- there, the, the fact that the conversation about reparations is still one that needs to be had is, is fascinating to me or like the fact that we're one of we're probably one of the only countries that still like doesn't have universal health care or universal like secondary education and like America is not set up for everyone to succeed and I need people to understand that um and that's yeah from me as a person who's had a lot of privilege as a especially as a person of color go ahead sorry I'm getting so excited because I just had this conversation with Kanisha about bootstrap mentality she gets me um, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna do a group we, call this week we a, exactly we put on a webinar last week um about like system dynamics and relationships. Oh my god wait dynamics. i did meet her she had me on facebook that's a lie i know exactly there you who go she is. Yes, there you go yes yes yeah but so we talked about the drama triangle which is like a uh, persecutor bully rescuer um and then victim which is Mm. drama Mm -hmm. um and so we talked about the bully and the persecutor as like the the bootstrap mentality um and it's an inverted triangle right so the two people at the top the persecutor and the rescuer have the most power and they keep the victim in the victim position and then the rescuer is like white saviors who are like "Mm, i i gotta save you i gotta make this better for you and it, we've created this system that keeps people of color, people, minorities, people who are oppressed in that victim position. And, you know, people who are oppressed have skills and they don't have to stay there and they don't stay there. But the system is designed, the bootstrappers and even the white saviors are to like keep people of color in that position facts (laughs) yeah i mean yeah i I, I can't even think of words right now like that's it's just we are never set up in a play in a position to succeed and or like when you do succeed it's because you beat all the odds or because a white savior was able to like help you out of it like it's very much like we are never given credit for getting ourselves out of situations either which is also another form of oppression but sure um but yeah uh life (laughs) so with with the drama triangle right like whether it's like a relationship at work or a romantic relationship 
if somebody is constantly like trying to keep you in a position and they're constantly restarting this drama, people eventually leave those systems. And how do we leave America? Our, yeah. <laughs> how yeah. do we leave this system? How do we say like this isn't working? Does that look like anarchy? Does it look like rioting? Like what how do we leave that system? Yeah. I I mean, I work at a political organization, so I wouldn't say obviously voting for people, the correct people in office, but I'll digress. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think it's like right now, white people who are dealing with quarantine and COVID are just getting a taste of what oppressed groups are going through. And I, I'm hoping this gives perspective and helps change a lot of shit in this country because here we are or it's also like that notion like i come from a social work background of like most of the people who are like food step food stamps and social and like assistance aren't black people it's mostly white people or you know this stereotype of like the black mom who's like on all these social assistance programs, but like it's very much like a lot of the time family will step in before yeah. a person of color even like asks for help just because it's like that stereotype of like you don't want to be that person asking for help. So I think it's also that too of like a lot of people, like especially with like people going back to work now so that the states can avoid playing, paying unemployment, um, them really seeing what these like services and assistance really mean for some people like it means survival like there are people who are like getting like rent quote unquote forgiven or like not having to pay rent this month because they're they don't have an income coming in like i i hate that we had to go through something so big for that like the people in positions of power can really like understand what that looks like but it's also like well if it like helps to change the future for a lot of people i'm also like totally fine with that um it is really sad that we have to experience oppression on some level to be able to like empathize with it and understand it for right. other people. Uh, but yeah, sometimes that's very real. Mm. My brain, this has been so good. <laughs> should we go back? Should we go back to dating? Is that a lighter topic? I mean, <laughs> I'm fine. We can totally go back to dating. I'm not doing it for a while, but we can talk about it. Um, the relationship that you have with yourself is the most important one always and forever. Very and true. You, you work hard on that. I do. I also think it's because like, again, no matter where I go, there I am. Like I, I'm going to be with mm-hmm. myself forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but now for those of you who don't know, I have a really big thing for boys on the East coast. It's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. And so, and it's funny. Cause like I haven't dated a cis man in the time i've lived here hmm. which is interesting like i've been real queer in texas which is fun cool. um, <laughs> the the irony is not missed on me um but yeah like weirdly been like you know telling some people back home and so other people have been like talking about it and like was talking to this one guy i used to see the other day and then this other guy who I met last year who lives in New York, please say he doesn't listen to this because I'm not prepared for him to hear this. But <laughs> um, today is his birthday and we were messaging and I was like, he won't oh. be that far from me. So we'll see. Um, 
I'm not moving to New York, though. That is a hill I will die on forever. I'm not moving to New York. 15 years from now, I'm probably living in New York, but I'm not living in New York. Um, but Philly is close, so we'll call it a deal. Um, there you go. But yeah, think, just thinking of how interesting dating's going to look when I'm ready to start doing it again. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now, what is it? May? That's five-ish months before I actually get to the East Coast. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I'll check back what in. Do you, <laughs> what do you want it to look like? Right? Like, oh, what, if I you don't, don't want to be the mother anymore in relationships, oh who do God. you want to be in a relationship? I want us both to be very self-sufficient people. Um, I was actually talking to a person I used to, used to date today, yesterday, and we were talking about this because, like, I have always heard that I am not intimidating, but people are intimidated by me. And it's because I do a lot of self-reflection. I really know who I am. I know what I do and don't want. Um, I also am a very big personality, <laughs> which I know. Um, I also know a lot of people. I'm really good at connection. So, like, I have, for some reason, always dated introverts, which I find hilarious because huh. I'm not one at all. But introverts fascinate me. So I feel like I don't need to be dating introverts anymore. Sorry, y'all. Love you, but I feel like we just we can be friends, but I feel like we're not going to like last. Um, but also like being very I need someone who is okay with the fact like I do a lot. I need someone who like has their own life and existence and friends. Like I have dated people who don't have any friends, which is mm. fascinating because I have sometimes too many, which I live a very beautiful life. Do not get me wrong, but I know a lot of people in my life can be very exhausting. Um, so yeah, I think about that too. Well, not a lot. Of, I know a lot of people, and I get to do a lot of things and what have you. Um, so I, I, I need I need a partner who like has their own life, has their own friend group, has goals and things they want to do. Because I feel like I always have a different project or a thing I'm always like looking forward to or like working towards. And not that you you always have to have something to do, but just like something that you're excited about. Um, yeah. Because I always find something to be excited about. Um, if it's the show, if it's, you know, finding a new job, if it's moving, if it's, you know, this thing I'm going to go see or like thinking about getting back into acting, like just something, like just things to think about. Yeah. Um, what else? I need someone who's family oriented because I mean, I want to be a parent. So I don't think I could be with someone who didn't want to be a parent. So you, you do feel like you need like a teammate in that. It's not something yeah. that you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also like societal pressures of like, you shouldn't be a single mother, but that's a whole different trope in my brain. But then also, like mm -hmm. I said, if something happens to me, I don't want my kid to like be quote unquote alone. Like, yes, my kid would go to someone or what have you. They'd be fine. But just like thinking about that. Um I don't know. I've really, really thought about this. I, I feel as though the universe, the universe knows what I need, which is like a very copped out answer, but it's also like really how I feel. Like, I think yeah. if you let me decide, I'll get in my own way or talk myself out of it every single time. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I also think it'll just happen organically. Like I'll meet someone like I hate dating apps, which I've said 7 million times in the show. It is a, again, a hill I will die on. Um, I think they're too superficial. I hate texting. Call me. I'm like the worst millennial ever. Call me. <laughs> That's FaceTime. Do not text me. Um, 
yeah, I need someone who's who is good at communication because I like to talk shit out a lot. Um, I'm a Pisces yeah. people. Give me all the emotions yeah. and vulnerability. Um, yeah, you were going to ask something and I interrupted you. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> it's it's okay. gone. I think there's so many things that we tell ourselves that like we're supposed to want, we're supposed to have in relationships. Like I remember mm-hmm. I had a list when I was 14 or 15 of like, these are all the things that like yeah. I need in a partner. Um, and if, like, I remember something really weird on it being like, doesn't have really hairy feet. Like that was a thing that I had on my list, right. Of this hundreds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I recently just like blew up my life and burned it all down and started over. I got divorced. I thought I wanted this life with somebody. And once I was in it, I didn't. And I tried really, really hard to like want all of what I was told that I should want, that I should want like to be a housewife Mm. and I should want to like, do the nurturing, taking care of a man, emotional labor shit that I should like want a fancy house that I should have all these things. And then once I had it, like it was miserable. Yeah. And I think it's really surprising sometimes when we finally get the things that we think we want, that we don't actually want them. Yeah. I mean, I too was a list. I like writing by paper. Like as we talk, I'm like writing notes. Like it's just, I'm a paper writer. And so I think, I think back to my list, but I also think one of my favorite movies is Practical Magic because Sandy Bullock is a treasure. Um, And in that movie, you know, after, have you seen Practical Magic? Oh yeah. Yep. When her husband dies, spoiler alert, by the way, um, (laughs) her husband dies, you know, and you know she's just so devastated but then like the second guy she ends up meeting and being with is like everyone who's on her list but she wrote it such a specific list when she was little because it was her way of like saving herself and it like literally took the universe being like this is literally everything you wanted and so I think about that too all the time I'm just like are my lists my way of blocking or are my lists my way of remembering not to settle I'm very much a person like I was saying like I don't pursue people so like if you come to me like hey I'm into you let's try it so it's very difficult for me still to like decipher that for myself and just being very much like let's just try it and see because I'm like life's too short let's just let's hope but yeah like I feel like I've given up like so many things in my brain of like what I thought I wanted because I too for a long time like I need like this large house and my kids need to like live in a house and I'm just very much like my kids would be fine if we live in like a walk-up or an oh, apartment yeah. or we live out of an RV and we just travel the world. Like I, I have learned that like home isn't a location, it's people. So like that's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like the whole yeah. wanting to raise kids one day situation. Um, but like I think about like, it's going to sound, maybe it might sound awful, but I think like being for me finding someone to be a co-parent with is more important than me finding a person to partner with because again Mm. I want you to be good to my future kid more than I want you to be good to me because I'll be fine I don't because I don't depend on people for things so but doesn't your doesn't your kid need to see what love looks like yes Carly I know (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say how to all figure it out I'm just working things out in my brain 
I think having I children <laughs> allows us to like reparent our inner child. So true. I don't love that people always, I, there's, that's a complex thing, but true. True, true, true. in doing that, right? Like we get to think about what we needed, but also give that to ourselves. Lots of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. But I also then go to the thing of like, he is white. I am black. If we have a mixed child in this country, my friend Rebecca, her dad, Ralph, love him to pieces. Ralph has always asked, coming from a different time, Ralph's learned in Nam. It's a whole thing. We have really good conversations. Ralph and I have talked about it. Like, what would it look like to raise a biracial child in this country? Because then you talk to kids who are biracial, like, do you identify more with your black side or your white side? Do you feel like you sometimes don't know, like, where you fit? And I'm also like, is that another trauma I'd be bringing to my child? So, The trauma yeah. of being alive. It's like you cannot prevent trauma. Why not? You can offer offer a safe space to process. And like what creates complex trauma is not having that safe place to process and feel secure in talking about the big things that are going on. You can't prevent earthquakes. You can't prevent wars. You can't prevent global pandemics. But you can offer like a safe landing spot. I just want to put my hypothetical future child on a bubble and just like be like, it's kind of fine. Oh, yeah. If I keep you here, <laughs> be okay. Uh. But the reason why trauma is so scary is a lot of us haven't been able to like process our trauma. We haven't had the security and the safety we needed to experience something hard and learn so much from it, to experience trauma and like, become stronger from it Mm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I I feel like I need to I feel like I've processed so many things in my life that I feel like very solid and and I, I I think about this like if someone gave me a baby tomorrow how would I raise this child um and I think back to like my mom like I, again, a Pisces was a very emotional child. Like, I started asking questions about death when I was, like, seven because I was just, like, what happens? Like, I've just been always very inquisitive. And, like, you know, and then I, like, started wanting to die when I was, like, 12. And so, like, talking to her about that, like, my mom was – and I think that's, like, why I've always wanted to be a mom because I feel like my mom walked on the water, right? Like, she was very open and honest and – safe like it was just there was never judgment she was always very much like what do you need how can I talk to you um but she I'm a mother's child was also very much like I'm fine don't look at me like I'm very much like a behind the scenes kind of person like my mom my godmother always says if I didn't hear from your mom within like three weeks because they would talk almost every day she's like if I went more than a week without hearing from your mom I knew something was up but she would never call me and let me know like she's like your mom was very stoic like you are very stoic because you don't ask people for shit and I'm like hi um so like I think about that like my mom was in the hospital with cancer like battling cancer for like a good week or two before she told anybody like my dad knew like no one in our family really knew because she was just very stoic like that so like I love her but I feel like I've also required that I have acquired that gene from her like I'm I'm very much like I'm not I'm not a make myself small person but I'm definitely a like you don't need to worry about me person yeah 
it's a weird dichotomy to like process um because like they're like everybody like she's very complex she's a human so like she was very 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 great there but then there's also like really bad habits that she had here and i'm also like god damn if you don't turn into your parents so here we are um yeah so i think about that too like i feel like i will be that safe secure base for my child but I also know that I can't be everything for my kid, even if my kid has yeah. two parents. Like, I know we're never oh, yeah. going to be everything my kids need, which I also think, which I didn't really learn until, like, I started nannying um, and uh, had my godson was born, right? Because, like, he, so, like, we talk all the time, and he's very much, like, calls me for things that he knows his mom won't say yes to. And, like, we all learn this really early. Like, he'll tell me things, like, and as he gets older, it's been so interesting, like the conversations we have had, which is also a big reason why I want to move closer to home. Um, but then like, also like, you know, just seeing how, like, even like when we're younger, like there's, uh, there's this family I nannied for for like three or four years. Um, and just like the youngest one was their only girl. The oldest child had autism. Their middle kid was just like, fine. <laughs> um, so with her being the youngest and the only girl, she like got attention a lot. But then sometimes like her brother, who's the oldest who had autism, like other like would pull parents' attention. So like it was me, yeah. her mom and her dad in the house. She knew that like if her mom was with her brother, like her and I would be like could hang out. And just like yeah. sitting there with her, she's like, I love when you come over. Cause sometimes that means that you're with my brother, but then sometimes that means when you're with me. And like she's no matter what, like there's always like enough people around. And I was like, okay. So I'm like maybe we should just all have three parents in the house at all time. Maybe that's how we figure things out. Like it's one the, person, it takes a village. one person per kid, right? Like that's the ratio, one to one. Um, but yeah, I think about that too sometimes. Of just like, I just, I just want my future hypothetical kid to, because I, I back up. All things considered, I've had a really beautiful life, and I'm very grateful for that. And I would not take back any of the things I've gone through because I know like I would not be who I am now if I had not gone through them like as Mm -hmm. much that's a lie if I could bring my mom back I would bring her back but I know my life would look a lot differently um but I mean I'm I'm grateful for the things I've gone through and the experience I've I've gotten to have so I just really want to be able to be a good person parent maybe a partner we'll see um we'll see jury's still out um and yeah i mean i just want i want everyone to have the space like you're saying to have that space to 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 deal with things right like i want everyone to have that safe secure sort of place to process so we'll see yeah I just, we can't talk anymore. I'm over here. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. This is our first and last phone call. If you imagine this would have been the conversation at the party, we would have just talked for three hours. Sorry, we're busy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, This has been so great. Yeah, I've also really enjoyed it. It's taken the pressure off of like me having to talk a lot. This one, no. Good. You asked good questions. I love that it's just kind of fell together. We have to get Kanisha on a group chat. We have to start yes, a group because I'm just like, <laughs> what is life? Oh. <laughs> We're going to get a group FaceTime going something because this is, I can't deal. I cannot <laughs> deal. 
Um, I'll be sure to like link all your social, anything you want me to share in the show notes. Um, I like to end each show with a question though. What is the best yes. advice you were ever given? Or what's a piece of mm-hmm. advice you would give to your younger self? Yeah. Um, I had a friend in my early 20s um, teach me both the phrase and the life concept of making your own magic. Um, I think up until then, I had like thought that I had to like arrive at these magical moments mm-hmm. and like somehow find them like I had to discover them somehow that it was somewhere and I had to show up or find it somehow. Um, and learning that like, as a, as an adult, you, you get to and have to make magic for yourself and decide what is magical for you, um, was really life changing. But yeah, stop waiting around for magic. Just go and make it. That's it for this week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email the, at the tea with Brie at gmail.com and visit the website, the tea with Brie podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. As always, a special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music, and I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.